12th chapter, and we're going to go through several verses there. Uh, it's Valentine's Day, and today is a day all about love, and so the title of my sermon this morning is Love Sick. And uh, as with Valentine's Day, we're all expecting, wonder what we're going to get from that sweetheart of ours. And uh, I had asked Christy, you know, what, what are you going to get me? Because, you know, I, I really like a good candy bar, right? You've got to have chocolate on Valentine's Day. And she said, you can have a Kit Kat. And I thought, that's great. But it has to be fun size. And I thought, where's the fun in fun size? Am I right? And so look at this little tiny Kit Kat. Now, this is just big enough to make you mad. So I thought, boy, I wish I could find a better, bigger, fun size Kit Kat. And I did some research, and then I found out that you can, in fact, get bigger, fun size. So, Mike, if you could zoom in right here, look at that snack size. See? There you go. So I did it. I found a snack size Kit Kat that I can eat. <laughs> I love that. Valentine's Day, all about love, all about uh, spending time with each other, with family. And uh, where we're going to go in Scripture this morning, just to set the scene for you, Jesus is being asked questions. They're trying to trick him. They're trying to foul him up a little bit. And uh, he is talking to the Sadducees, and uh, he answers, and then the Pharisees, they jump in to ask a question. And we're going to pick up right in around that question. So let's, uh, let's read Mark chapter 12, verse 28 together. It says, Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceived that he had answered them well, and asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, The first commandment of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it. It is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And there is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but He. And to love Him with all the heart and all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now when Jesus saw that He answered wisely, He said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of of God. But after that, no one dared question him. What did he tell him? You could say it with me. You are not 
far from the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, as we read your word, deposit that in our hearts and in our minds. Let us see today what you need us to see, what we need for our lives today. Make it apply to our circumstances today. The Bible is, is a living, breathing document. God, it's your words breathed out upon page. It speaks to us today. Let us receive it today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, like I said, just prior to this part, the Sadducees were asking him questions, trying to trick him, trying to trip him up. See if he could say something that might get him in trouble. This is happening a lot nowadays. We see people going on Twitter, looking back 10 years, 15 years, to see if someone who is important or, or noteworthy may have said something they can use against them to get them canceled or something like that. So these things are still happening. But Jesus answered the question appropriately. And the, the Pharisee, the scribe, he realized that. The Pharisee asked, what's the greatest commandment? Now, <clears throat> how many commandments are there? We all know the answer to this. There's 10 of them, right? So we just got to pick out which of these 10 is the greatest commandment. Only that's not quite right. Those are the 10 commandments. That's the law. But there are other commandments that this Pharisee, the scribe, was talking about. In fact, there are over 600 commandments that they had to follow in their rabbinical writings, in their scriptures. And so what the Pharisee is actually saying to Jesus is, out of all 600, which one's most important? And, and Jesus, he just shrunk everything down to two. Look, you can, you can follow two rules, but trying to follow 600, you can't. I know we have all kinds of rules in my house. Basically, they're on what I can and can't wear outside the house. And I realize that pretty quickly when I go to leave and I, I hear, you're not going to wear that, are you? No. Gonna, I was just putting this on to prepare for what I'm going to wear when I leave. I didn't just spend all that time getting dressed for nothing, you know. Yeah, how do you follow all of these rules? Or so, and, and the rules change, right? You, you can't wear white after Labor Day, I heard is a thing. You know, all of these different rules that, that move. These guys had 600 rules to follow. You can't eat this, you can eat that, but not after this time. And, and you can't go this far and you can't do that. I mean, try to keep all that straight. Jesus, what's, what's the one thing? What's, what's the real one i got to focus on? He said, I'll do one better than that. I'll give you the two that you have to focus on. And, and the other piece to that is those commandments, those, those 600, they were mostly thou shalt nots. Don't do this. But there were very few do's. So, Jesus laid it out for him pretty well. This is what he said. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Here are four different commands wrapped up in that one verse. And here's the interesting thing about God. God is good because He knows you intimately. He will not give you a command to follow that you don't have the ability to do. He knows what you can do. He knows what you can handle. He will not give you a, uh, a job, a task like that. He knows that you don't have the ability to do. So what are these commands? Well, let's take a look at them. The first one, love the Lord God with all your heart. That's your personal feelings. This is how you feel. Love God. Feel that love towards God. The next one, he said, was your soul. That's your desires. What are you excited about in your life? What are you chasing after? What is it that motivates you? What is it that gets you excited? Is it God? Your soul, the, those desires, that's what what motivates us, we should have that. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. That's your thoughts. Are your thoughts His or ours? Are you putting God in your life to the point where you're thinking about Him? What would Jesus think of this? This situation? The, the thing that I'm going to do? Invite Him into that. Next, your strength. Love the Lord your God with all your strength. That's your actions. It's what you do. It's the things that you do, not just for others, but for yourself as well. What things am I doing personally? What is God trying to show me in this? Those four things. Love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. This is the command that we're supposed to follow. This is the one that Jesus picked out. God commands us to love. But what does that mean? What is love? What is he talking about? Because there's several different loves. Let's go through the at least four loves that we find in the Bible. The first one is agape. That's an, an unconditional love. No matter what you do, I'm going to love you. This is a love that God would have for us. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's a love. We turned our back on God, chose to do things our way instead of His way. He still loved us. That's hard to do. If your child, you gave them love, and they just slapped you in the face every chance they could get, and you still loved them. That would be hard, wouldn't it? God loves us in an agape way, in an unconditional, unwavering way. That agape love is a perfect love. Next, phileo. That's friendship. That's like a brotherly love, right? That's why we talk about Philadelphia. That's where the Phila part comes from. City of brotherly love. Phileo. Phileo fish. That means I love fish sandwiches. Phileo is a friendship or brotherly love that you would have with your friends, your other neighbors, things like that. 
Then we get into the eros love, and that is a fixed physical or a sexual love. This is where we get the word erotic from, eros. And finally, we have storge, and storge is a familial love. This, this means what, the love that you have for your, your family, your siblings, your kids. We would love to say we have the agape for our kids, but truth be told, sometimes, right, it's storge that we have for our kids. It is the familial love. And, and the interesting thing about storge is it's not in the Bible. What? How is it not in the Bible if that's one of the words in the Bible? It's actually, it's opposite that's in the Bible. Uh, it is a storgos that's in the Bible. It literally means without family love. That's the word that's in Scripture. This type of love, this storgos or storge, this type has been lost in our society these days. The, we, we find a lot of times that when we look at families out there, the spouse is irrelevant. There's no communication. There's not love there. There's no storge present. The kids are inconsequential. I'm going to live my life regardless of you kids. I'm not worried about that. We're going to do our thing. Our responsibilities become idle. Have you seen this out there? Do you, do you know of families who act like this? This is rampant. So how do we know that this is happening? How do we know that, that there's families out there? Because all the families here and all the families watching at home, we're perfect. I don't know if you know that or not. We don't have any problems. We love each other a lot. We never fight, right? We never have uh, loud disagreements. Uh, no, we do. But there's a, another level to that where people just don't care anymore. They're, they're not with each other. They're not uh, spending time with their spouse. Their spouse is irrelevant. The kids are inconsequential. They let their responsibilities go because it doesn't matter to them anymore. We know this is happening and it's going to happen because Scripture says it's going to happen. Take a look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be difficult times. Difficult times are coming, is what he's saying. For people will, what's it say? Love only themselves. Number one problem in marriages, right there. Number one problem in relationships, right there. Love only themselves. This is a self-centeredness. It, uh, it is damaging to everything. To the children, to the spouse, to the girlfriend, to the boyfriend, when they love only themselves and their money. There will be a time coming. Let me back that up. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, when we get closer to the time when Jesus is going to return... There will be difficult times. And I think we can all agree that we're, we're pretty close right now. Timothy, when Jesus is coming back, it's going to be difficult. Because here's the thing. People will love themselves and their money. They're going to be boastful. 
They're going to be proud. They're going to scoff at God. They're going to be disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Look at this next piece. They will be, what's it say? Unloving. Astorgos. This is the storge word, but the opposite. Astorgos. They will be unloving. They won't love their family. Why won't they love their family? Here's why. Because they're going to only love themselves. They'll be self-centered. They'll be selfish. They won't worry about loving their family. In fact, the Bible says they will be unloving and unforgiving. They go hand in hand. They will slander others and they will have no self-control. They will be cruel and they will hate what is good. These people don't sound like the kind of people you want to hang out with. But we're not done yet. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act right religious. They'll act that way. It's, they're pretty good at faking it. You won't know it. When they leave the parking lot, Till they pull out and they watch a rearview mirror, and as soon as the church disappears, then the real self comes out. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Timothy, in the last days, you are going to see people like that. Stay away from people like that. Keep those people out of your life. Someone once said, Love is something... If a church or Christian has it, then they don't need much of anything else. If you have that love, there's really nothing else that you need. But by way of comparison, if the church or the Christian doesn't have love, then every single thing they do have, it doesn't matter very much. It's inconsequential. God commanded us to love. The Israelites got this command in Deuteronomy, and Jesus told us about it in Matthew chapter 22. Even today, those of the Jewish faith recite the Shema. And that is the first part. This is what it looks like. And, and just so you know, this is uh, read right to left. Here we read left to right. But the way you would read this is right to left, and then you go to the bottom right, and then to the left. And this says, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Ichad. So what is that translation? The translation is this. Hear Israel, the Lord, God, the Lord, one. Does that sound familiar to you? I know you've heard it before somewhere. Yeah, we just read it. Take a look at Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, 
The Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is what Jesus was quoting to the scribe who said, what is the number one commandment out of the 600? Jesus, what do I need to know to live my life on earth today? He said this exactly. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Ichad. You shall love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your strength. And these words which I command to you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Are you people listening to me this morning? Is this coming through? What, what, did, what did Jesus tell the man who, who said, and I don't know if you caught it, but he said, here's, here's the, the verse that you need to know. And then the man recited it back to Jesus. And, and at the very end, he said, this is more important than all of the sacrifices. This is more important than all of the sacrifices. And do you remember what Jesus said to him? What were his words back? You are not that far from the kingdom of heaven. When you realize that it's not what you're doing, but do you have storge, agape, phileo? Do you have all of those? Do you have love? You're not far. You're not far from the kingdom of heaven. I went to a wedding yesterday and in a wedding, there's some text that you usually read about love, you know, because it's a wedding. And I was interested in listening to how, uh, how they, they said the, the piece in 1 Corinthians, because it says this, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and love never fails. Now, what I want to do this is something I do at weddings. I want to back that back up. Let's back that truck back up. And we're going to look at love. And we are going to throw in there God. Let's take a look at that. God is patient. God is kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. He does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. He is not easily angered and keeps no record of wrongdoings. He does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. 
He always protects. He always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. God never fails. Does that make sense? Now you know why people say God is love? No, I'm not done yet. Let's back up again. We are asked to be like God. So what we need to do is throw our name in there and see if it still fits, right? I do this, I do this with the bride and groom. Let's see if it fits. Like, Christy is patient. Rodney is kind. You do not envy. Throw your name in there. You do not boast. You are not proud. You do not dishonor others. You are not self-seeking. You are not easily angered. You keep no record of wrongs. Can you fit your name in there or does it feel weird? Does it feel like you're lying a little bit when you say it? Yeah. <laughs> keep no record of wrongs? Apparently you've never had a fight. You remember the time when you did this, right? We all do that. We all keep those little records. The last piece of that, love, also you. You do not delight in evil, but rejoice with the truth. You always protect, trust, hopes, persevere. You never fail. If you and God are close, if you're following God, if you're emulating God, if you're walking like Jesus walked, you can throw your name in there. And the last part is true. You will never fail. Here's the thing. If you're not doing the things that you're doing in love, then don't do them. Because they're of no value. They're of absolutely no value. They, they don't give you any value in doing it. It's like buying a brand new outfit and then not going anywhere. It's like getting a brand new phone, brand new iPhone, but never calling anyone. Doesn't make any sense. It's like when you give a gift, you give the Tickle Me Elmo with no batteries. Who does that? It's of no use. If you're doing, some of you are going, what's a Tickle Me Elmo? You know, most of the people here do know. It's the, it was only the best present that was ever invented, I think. It was one of those things that were super hard to get years ago. If you're doing these things, anything that you're doing, but you're doing it without love, don't do it. Because it doesn't mean anything. It does not mean anything. So how useful are those things? How loved do you really feel? If, if your spouse does something for you or, or a friend does something for you and, and they're, they're kind of angry because they do it, does it really feel genuine? I mean, the easiest example of this, and I know I've said it a million times, is when you have a, a young kid. And they're fighting, right? Two kids fighting, two little ones. And you, and you separate them, and what do you say? Now you say, I'm sorry. What do they do? I'm sorry. Is there love there? 
Are you feeling that love? No. No, but we've all experienced that. Revelation chapter 2 says this. I know your works. I know I know all the stuff you do. I know your works, your labor, your patience. I know that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say that they're apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Can you imagine Jesus saying that to you? Pulls you in close and says, I know you. I know you. I know your works. I know everything that you've done. I know how, how patient you are with people. I know that you cannot bear those that are evil. I know that, that you've, you saw some pastors preaching online or you went to some places and that doctrine just didn't sound right. And, and you, you realized, you looked at the Bible and you said, nope, not in there. And you said, that's not the pastor, that's not the preacher for me. No way. You've done all of those things. You've persevered. You labored for my namesake. Look, you worked for me. You worked for the Lord. Wouldn't it be great to have God say that to you? I mean, that would be fantastic. Only He's not done yet. Look at what He says next. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Even though you've done all those things, you don't have love for me. You're not loving me. I'm not feeling it. Now, he's, he's talking to the church of Ephesus here. But I think it applies to our lives. Because we often think that we can get through being a Christian by uh, just doing a couple of things. I came and I did this. and I'd, Well, I come and uh, I sweep the parking lot off at, uh, when we have the church clean day. And I go to the annual picnic when we have it. So, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm helping God. But every day I live my life the way I want to. What did that say in, in Revelation? They'll be lovers of themselves rather than of God. They'll be a store ghost. They'll be unloving to their family because they're going to be focused on themselves. That's crazy. He says, I have this against you that you have left your first love. That, your first love. Is he talking about my, my girlfriend or my boyfriend when I was in seventh grade? Is that what, is that what he's talking about? No. Your, your first real love is... You know, you know the butterflies you got when you, when you fell in love with her for the first time? You know, it, you, you, it, you get the butterflies every time you fall in love. But when you, when you fall in love for the first time and it's all new and you're excited, you know, you start to sweat and you, you can't think and you can't swallow and all those kinds of things. Think back to when you were first saved and how how you just were so thankful that God saw through the filth that you were, that He, that he pulled you out of that and He saved you. And you, you were very excited. 
and you couldn't wait to tell people and you, you had that, kind of that butterfly stuff and you, you wanted to just consume as much of the Bible and everything God and church related. Like you would come every single day if the doors were open every day. I mean, you, you were just really, you're, when, you, when you have that feeling, that's your first love. I mean, when you're really loving God with all your heart, but then what tends to happen is we, we start to die down a little bit, don't we? we? Life happens, and we find ourselves not being as close to God as we, we once were. Um, I, I was watching a video the other day where a, God, a guy was uh, doing some metal work. It was like a blacksmith, and he would take this iron, he would stick it into the fire, and he would do the little thing like that and make it hot and he would pull it out and that thing was cherry red and he could just touch it to things and they would burn it was so hot but then he put it on his thing and he started smacking it and and he only smacked it so often but he had to do it really fast do you know why he had to do it really fast because the whole time he was doing that it was losing its heat it was cooling off so he got to the point where he would do some shaping on it and it would get cold. And when it was cold, he would hammer it and hammer it and hammer it. It didn't matter how hard he hammered it, it wouldn't move. It wouldn't change its form. It, it, you couldn't mold it. So he pulled it back out and he stuck it back in the fire. And he heated it more and more and more. And when he pulled it out, it was cherry red again. And then it was ready. And then he was able to hit it and mold it. If you're not being, being molded by God, it's probably because you've left your first love. You are not cherry red on fire for Christ. And He can't really do anything with you. So how do, I, how do you heat up the metal? You've got to stick it back in to where it gets hot. You've got to get back into your word. You've got to get back into a prayer life. You've got to get back into a small group. You've got to get back into coming to church. You've got to do these things so you get the fire lit again so that he can't say, nevertheless, I have this against you. You've left your first love. See, you could change this right now. You could change those things very simply. In fact, I would say this to you. You are not far from the kingdom of heaven. No matter how far you've strayed in your life, you're not far from the kingdom of heaven. Love can help you to change that. Love can bring you back. Let me tell you some things that love can do. There's a lady named Alida Hussein. She was 78 years old and she lived in Rotterdam in the Netherlands. And she had been smoking for 50 years. And for 50 years she had been trying to give up her harmful habit, but she had not been successful. She couldn't do it. She couldn't stop. That is until recently. She has now given up cigarettes, cigars, and pipes. The secret? Leo Jansen. Leo is 79 years old. He proposed marriage last year, but refused to go through with it until Alida gave up smoking. Says Alida, now, willpower was never enough to get me off the tobacco habit, but love did it. Love 
is the most uh, powerful force and it can compel us to do the impossible. Love can have us do amazing things. It can help us to lift cars off of those we love. You guys have all seen those, uh, those news stories of different miraculous things that people have done. It can have us sacrifice our life for someone else, whether it's our family or not. It can even cause you to like things like cowboys or raiders. You know, you fall in love with someone and they like a a team like that and you just end up loving them too. It can help us to let go of what has a hold of us. To truly be free, we need to let go of what has a hold of us. Whatever it is that's holding us back from serving God, I would wager that we're holding on to it as tight as it's holding on to us. Whether it is the busyness that is your life, whether it is work, regardless of what it is, you need to let go. Let go of it. To truly be free, we need to let go of what has a hold of us. It really is that easy. In fact, it's easy as one, two, three, four. Can you remember that? Sure. Easy as one, two, three, four. In fact, it's actually as easy as Mark, one, two, three, four. Now, when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You're so close. Sitting where you're at right now, you've never been this close to the kingdom of God. And I'll tell you why. Because today you realize what it takes. Today you realize what that great commandment is. To love God with your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, with your feelings, in the way you think, all of your thoughts, all of that stuff. If I just do that in my life, I will draw closer to Christ. And I will not be far from the kingdom of heaven. You're not that far from the kingdom of God. So choose today to love God. Agape God. With your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Will you pray with me as the musicians come? Lord, you specifically showed us what commandment is the most important. And it was actually really easy. You said, love God and love your neighbor. But it wasn't just love the way that you love one flavor of ice cream versus another, or that you, uh, you, know, you, you love spending time with people. This love is deeper. It's with our mind, our soul, our heart, our strength. And God, if if we realize that we have love like that, if we don't leave our first love, well, then we're not far from the kingdom of God. Because what we don't want to have, we don't want to have a situation, Lord, where we stand before you waiting to hear all those wonderful things that we 
we had patience, we followed you, that, that we discerned good, proper doctrine over naught, only to have you look at us and say, but you've left your first love. We don't want to do that. So Lord, help us today, each person as they, as they go into their world, to love you more. God, we need to love you the way that you showed us today. Help us to do that. And maybe someone, someone out there, or maybe someone in here, doesn't really know what it means to love Jesus. Doesn't really understand what it means to, to give their life to you. Well, it means quite simply this, trading it. You trade in your life of shame and guilt and pain for an everlasting life of loving and worshiping God where you'll never be alone and you'll never be forsaken. If that's the life you want, you could say a prayer. And if you believe it with all of your heart, you will not be far from the kingdom of heaven. You could say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've been selfish. I've been a lover of me instead of a lover of you. But I don't want to live like that anymore. I want to live for you. So Jesus, I ask you to cleanse me, come into my life and change me from the inside out and walk with me, Jesus, all the days of my life. Thank you for loving me, for calling me, and for accepting me. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it with all of your heart, there's a little button that you can click and, and let us know that you prayed that prayer. And we would like to connect with you and uh, give you some materials to help you in your new walk with Jesus. Let's sing together, Oh How I Love Jesus. <laughs>